Hello and welcome to the No BS Approach to Motherhood podcast, hosted by Catherine Hay and Shelley McKenzie. We are both mothers and clinical nutritionists who specialize in women's health. We are here to not only bring you the most up-to-date nutritional and health advice when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and children's nutrition, but our main goal is to break through the BS that can come with motherhood. No topic is off limits, so grab a cuppa or a glass of wine and join us for another raw and real conversation surrounding motherhood. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It feels so long that we've done an episode, just the two of us. And today we're doing just a catch up episode because we haven't done one of these in a long time. And there's been so many moving parts to both of our lives. And, you know, as mothers, as, you know, business owners, all the rest of it. So I think it'd be really nice to do a little catch up episode. Yeah, I agree. We've had um, lots, lots going on. I feel yeah. <laughs> it's this time of year as well. Like it's just hectic. Hey, it's so busy. It's yeah. so busy. And I hate saying that word because I feel like I constantly say it, but it's, it is, it's just so busy. It is. It's a very, very full time of year. So tell us where are you at? What is happening with you, your health, um, sunny girl? What's going so on? let's start with the health. Let's just get that over and done with. I, um, obviously was very vocal on my Instagram and social media about my recent um, uh, health uh, little speed hump that I've had to get over. Um, So I was going for my 12 monthly um, cervical cancer screens because I've had abnormal um, pap smears basically since I found out I was pregnant with Sunny. So it's just before then. And didn't think anything of it. It was always like low grade, you know, we just get it done every 12 months instead of five years, which is the new um, grading kind of system or the new, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the new cervical cancer screening. They push you out five years now. So that's all good. Um, obviously had just recovered from the laparoscopy, got the message like, oh, it's time for your 12 monthly um, cervical cancer screen. So I went in. Um, did not think anything of it. Got a call from my GP saying, uh, things have progressed. You're now at high, you're at a higher grade. Um, we're going to send, I'm going to send you to a gynecologist um, just so we can get a, a second opinion on this. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Again, didn't think much of it. Went um, to a new gynecologist because my gynecologist who I was seeing for the laparoscopy has decided he just wants to do like obstetrics and endometriosis and that's it. So I had to find a new gyno, which is not the easiest to do, right? No, you always are trying not. to find a specialist who you may have some rapport with. You know, you don't want to just feel like another number. And I know we all do feel like that, but especially when they are going inside your vagina and in around your vulva, it's not the most, you know, it can feel uncomfortable. And, and I get why so many people put off their pap smears and cervical cancer screens because because they, they do feel uncomfortable. So I then got referred to a specialist, gynecologist, and he was a, was a male. So I've always liked to go with females purely just for my own um you know, comfortable comfort. Yeah. Comfort. That's what I was looking for. 
Um, anyway, met him. He had great bedside manner. I was really, really happy. Um, we did the biopsy on the spot. So who, for anyone who doesn't know what a cervical um, biopsy looks like, I'm going to talk you through the process because um, not many people do. So essentially it's done in the chair. It's just like a pap smear. They insert that plastic contraption that basically opens you up. Um, they put a iodine dye on the actual cervix to see any cellular movement and basically to see where those abnormalities lie. And then if they see any abnormalities that they're not quite happy with, that's where they take the biopsy from. So the biopsy I couldn't feel it. It was very painless. He literally um, got me to cough. And when I coughed, he did the biopsy and that was done. Um, it took a week for those results to come back to me. Um, and he said he would email me through the results. He decided not to email me because of the of what we found in the biopsy results. So we found in that particular sample SIN2 progressing into SIN3, which is SIN3 is like the highest grade disease of precancer cells. Um, so I was in that, you know, limbo land and I and he basically was like, we need to do a let's procedure for this. Otherwise I can basically give you six months, um, six months up your sleeve. Uh, because I really wanted to start trying for a baby. That's mm. the whole reason why I had the laparoscopy. Um, I was like, this was all part of my preconception plan, not obviously this recent cervical um, issue, but it was all a bit of a shock because, you know, I've, I've studied, I knew there are risks with let's procedures. I knew a lot of different things. And obviously I'm a little bit of a ticking time bomb with endometriosis as well. You know, they say you got three months where you're most fertile after the surgery, get to it. Let's make a baby. Um, I couldn't, I've missed that three month window now. Um, so then I had a few conversations with my naturopath, obviously my husband, and it was just a lot to take in. I was like, why isn't my body responding and doing what it should? You should be able to, your immune system should be able to attack the HPV virus within that 24-month period, right, when you first mm -hmm. get that abnormal cell um, test done. So my body obviously wasn't responding to that. I have gone through a lot of trauma in the last, you know, two years since Sunny was born, as you all know from previous episodes. So, you know, it is always that high stress for me. It's always been in my picture. So that obviously is a contributing factor. And the fact that I have endometriosis also would be a contributing factor. Um, anyway, decided to go through with the LEP procedure. Couldn't get in for a month just because, you know, everyone's so busy. So booked in for a month and had the procedure two weeks ago. So the procedure was two weeks ago and... I'll talk you through the procedure because, again, no one knows anything about the procedure unless you've been through it. So I opted to have it done in the chair. Um, you can have it done under a midnight sedation in hospital or you can have it done in the chair. I just, I'd been through enough um, sedations and anesthesia uh, this year, so I decided to have it done in the chair. So basically they insert, it's, it's just like having a pap smear again, with the plastic contraption they insert into your vagina and they local they use a local anesthetic into the actual cervix then they have this machine and it sounds like a vacuum and it's got a little loop and it's like a, a hot metal loop where they essentially scoop out the precancer cells 
They scoop out the precancer cells. Now, mind you, I was a day two of my period when this happened. And what I found extremely interesting, when I was booking in with the reception staff, they never had the conversation with me around my menstrual cycle and when my menstrual cycle might be in relationship to the procedure, which I would have just assumed is common standard patient care because Yes, they didn't really want to do it um, when I was bleeding there because, you know, there's obviously a lot of blood and I've got endometriosis. I'm a heavy bleeder and I still am a heavy bleeder for five months post um, laparoscopy. So I was pissed off about that. And I remember telling you, Shell, I was like, mm. I don't even know if I can have my procedure done um, because I've literally just gotten my period. And my cycles have been a little bit all over the shop since the um, laparoscopy, which is totally normal and I'm still trying to figure that out myself and still trying to figure out what my bleed is like. And the reception, I called them the day before the procedure and I was like, aha, this has just happened. I've just got my period. And she was like, what's your flow like on day two? I was like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's changing all the time because I've literally just had a laparoscopy. So it changes all the time. I'm not really sure where I'm at, but from what I've known for the last couple of periods, my flow has been absolutely heavy. Mm. And she was like, oh, I'm not sure if we can do the procedure. And I was angry. I said, you really should have been asking me these questions. It's not on me to go, okay, I think I'm going to have my period that week, you know, of the let's procedure. Because if I couldn't have had my let's procedure done, they would have pushed me out another month or another month. And I don't have time. The longer I leave the let's procedure, the longer every day counts in terms of when I can start trying for another baby again. Because once you have a let's procedure, I'm not allowed to fall pregnant. My my specialist was like, I don't want you falling pregnant with after like within six months of having the let's mm. procedure. He's given me now four months because he knew how like I just want to have a baby. I have been. So every day was a day further away for me being able to start trying for a baby again. And tell so, our listeners why they don't want you to fall pregnant within that time. Because that's how long it takes for your cervix to fully recover after a let's procedure, which is quite phenomenal. You know, you, mm. you cut yourself on your arm and you can you watch that heal, right? And you can see that healing depending on the severity of it, but it generally heals quite quickly. Um, and because they know I want to have another baby, obviously they want my cervix to be in top condition because your cervix is basically what keeps your baby um inside you and there's obviously pre risk of miscarriage and preterm birth, all of that type of stuff. Um, so I was pretty adamant that I was so like, okay, just come in on the day of your procedure and fingers crossed, we can get it done for you. So I went in on that Tuesday, still not knowing or the Wednesday, whenever it was, it was a Wednesday, sorry, not knowing if I was having the procedure that day. And I was, I was bleeding moderately. I was actually quite happy where my flow was at, <laughs> um, because usually it, you know, it's Groundhog Day. I'm at home and I'm bleeding through pads and pads and pads. So it was actually pretty manageable. So got in there, saw him, and he was like, "No, nah, don't worry about it. Day two, we we get this done. It's all good." So he made me feel really reassured in that moment, you know. But you're sitting there with your legs wide open. Oh yeah, procedure you've never had before. Scared shitless. I was scared shitless. You know, mm. whenever you hear the term like pre-cancer cells, you're like, okay, this is quite confronting, especially in your cervix, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've got this male gynecologist, hands right up inside my vagina, scooping out my cervix with this contraption, and I'm bleeding everywhere. I mean, <laughs> love this for me. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a picture. <laughs> yeah, right. So 
I just sat there. I think I was like biting my hand. I just, I couldn't look at him. I just was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like it was actually um, one suggest, like the um, local anesthetic had kicked in. Like it was pretty, it was pain-free. There was nothing there. It was actually, the procedure itself was was nothing. I kind of hyped it up in my head a lot more than it it was. So walked out of there, pretty numb. I was a bit wiped out from anxiety and um, he did, what did they give me? They gave me some type of an adrenaline shot as well just to calm me down. Mm. No, it wasn't an adrenaline shot. I was going to say adrenaline, that would have hyped you up. It was something, but it had adrenaline in it. So it's just like if you feel a little bit, you know, off, then that's probably why. Um, So anyway, that was all good. Um, he was like, you know, expect some bleeding for four days. I'm like, that's easy. I've got my period. That's all fine. Um, and he, he's like, we send off the whole sample to the labs and then we we are in touch with you res- your, with your results in a week's time. And I was like, oh, okay, there's more results that we've, we've got to find out. I just assumed once it was done, it was done type mm. of thing. Um, then you came up. So <laughs> I saw you and we'll get to that. Um, and then last week I got an email from him basically saying great news, no cervical cancer. Cause obviously that was still, um, there was a risk of that. So obviously that is excellent news and I'm mm. so, so grateful for that and so damn happy about that. But what was also kind of in there, it was a little bit more ambiguous than I kind of had hoped for. I kind of thought, okay, this is going to happen. I'm going to get a repeat biopsy in 12 months time just to make sure everything's all good. Wipe my hands, put it all behind me. So he said in um, my results from the let's procedure that my, the findings had preceded my biopsy. So it was all SIN3 and way more of SIN3. So he said, it's the highest grade disease that you have. We should have got it all with the let's procedure. They basically cauterize your cervix to stop it bleeding afterwards. And that's where he said, um, I'm, we're hoping that we got all the cells, but we can't be sure because when they send off the sample, they're looking for the core of those cells so they can kind of understand if they got all of it or they've missed some. So he said there is a chance that they may have missed some. And I was like, okay, awesome. So what does this mean? What does this look like? Like, I just want to have a baby. So just what does this look like? He was like, we'll do repeat biopsies in six months time. I'm like, six months I what six months time no you said I could start trying for a baby in you know end of Feb March and and I just was a little bit shocked with all of this again because I'm like okay if my results have preceded my biopsy what's to say my results don't precede my let's procedure in that amount of time obviously I'm not letting my brain go there but these are all questions and of course I just wanted to understand more so he said to me um Okay, yes, I know you're under, I understand your wishes to have another child. Um, even if you fall pregnant in that time, we would keep a, a, an eye on you. Obviously, we can't do biopsies um, in that, that period of time if you're pregnant. I was like, okay. And I, I felt like he'd totally forgotten who I was because I'm like, this isn't, this information doesn't sound you know, like it's not marrying up to me. Um, anyway, so now he's come back and said, okay, we'll do repeat biopsies in at the end of Feb, March to see what's going on. So that's that three to that's three to four month window, which I'm happier about because I'm obviously expecting these mm. results to be clear so I can start trying for a baby. I'm not even letting my brain go to, for the other option because I've just had so many blows this year. I just can't, I just, I'm, I'm medically fatigued and exhausted. Like I'm tapped out of all of mm. it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You've had so, so much to process. Um, And it it is, it's it's different, I'm sure, when you're in that um, fertility, you're in your peak fertility window, right? And this is all happening just blow after blow and you know you want another baby. Once you've got your mind set on wanting another baby, you want another baby. Yeah. You want that baby now, you know. And that's it. Like I kind of had in my head when I was booking in for the laparoscopy, oh, cool, okay, got that three-month window. I had in my head I'd be pregnant by this time, you know, Mm. like I'd be pregnant right now. That was part of my plan. And, I mean, I know we obviously don't know when we're going to fall pregnant. Trust me, I know that. It took me 12 months to conceive Sunny. But, you know, I'm also on this ticking time bomb with endometriosis as well. I don't know what to say what my body's doing with those lesions. Are they growing back where I'm going to be at? And my specialist kindly said, oh, darling, stage four endometriosis, you're going to have at least, you know, two to four surgeries, laparoscopies in your lifetime because of that high-grade disease as well. And I'm like, cool. And he's like, here's right. a script for the progesterone-only pill. You may as well stay on the pill while you you can't try for a baby in the next four months so you don't have a bleed so your endometriosis doesn't have a chance of growing back. And I was like, I'm not going to ever do that. I'm not going to do that. Let's and just throw some more fuel on the fire shall we with the pill (laughs) why not let's just see what else that can bring for you when you do start trying and I was like I'm not going to take this he's like why and I'm like because I'm a nutritionist and I'm trying to support myself as best as I possibly can with my endometriosis and he basically laughed in my face and I was like okay that's where you know and I get it I mean that's their job they prescribe they do those things I understand that but I'm also like cool can you understand a little bit why I'm trying to take a natural um, approach to this also yes there's obviously a time and a place for all of this and I wholeheartedly believe that but for myself you know he just kind of brushed me off so that's all well and good that's the medical system for you but now I have a cervix um like my cervix is infected so I've been still bleeding two weeks post I laugh only because like how much more (laughs) and like on the weekend I was like oh said to Nick I was like babe I feel just a little bit off like I'm I'm, the fatigue is another level but you know that's okay because I've been highly stressed it's like I've got these body aches and pains like all around my lower abdominal area and down into my lower extremities and it's like, oh, so I did email him last week. I'm still bleeding, you know, a week post um, uh, procedure. He was like, oh, we usually say around four days. So then he's prescribed um, antibiotics, but I didn't get the prescription until seven o'clock on a Friday night when you're like, okay, can't get the script filled. Didn't even have the script. It was at his rooms at the hospital. Um, so I then was like, okay. I'll book in with just any GP I can get into on a Saturday just to get a script of antibiotics. So saw a doctor, got a script of doxy, doxycycline, um, but they didn't do anything. Like they didn't do anything. I was still feeling quite off um, and we were away for the weekend. Then finally got my hands on his script of antibiotics on Monday and have just started those and the bleeding is starting to decrease, thank God, mm. um, because I'm just over it. I'm like, I'm going to get my period again in literally 10 days time. And I've been bleeding all this time and I'm absolutely wiped. Oh, you would be. <laughs> the amount of blood that you have lost in this last month. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing only because it's like, it's a bit of a joke, right? Like, as in like, how much more can you honestly take? I'm like, my poor little cervix. I don't want it oh. to be infected. I'm like, I just want it to be nice and healthy. Anyway, you should 
see the supplement list I'm on. I'm taking like 15 different supplements all to help with tissue rejuvenation and all of that and HPV virus and the list goes on. But I'm just like, okay, it's my time to cop a break. Like I'm taking these hectic antibiotics. I'm highly constipated, of course. Obviously I'm doing all the things. But yeah, I just thought I just wanted to come on and talk about it, have a laugh, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. I had a bit of a mental breakdown last week, which you knew about. And um, I just I'm just ready to put it all behind me. I'm just like, I'm done with it. Like I said, I'm so medically fatigued and I'm just ready to put it behind me and move on and yeah, try another baby. It's yeah. I mean, you've got yeah, what four four months to practice for baby, yes. which is exciting. Well, no, actually, I don't because I'm not allowed to have sex for like eight weeks post procedure. Oh. So. <laughs> of course, you're not. So I said to Nick, I'm like, I'll be having sex with you in the new year. And he's like, What's the date today? <laughs> Go take care of yourself, mate. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so anyway. That's but yeah. I, like this is the other thing, you know. You, you, you like I become a bit fearful too. You yeah, know, I'm of course. fearful of having sex. I'm fearful of my cervix. I don't want any infection up there. And mm. you, you know, I've ha- I've actually totally disassociated with my cervix because mm. of all of this and the laparoscopy. You know, like it was just it's been a lot in such a short period of time. And I and and it'll be really interesting. Like once I'm in the clear, and I use that in inverted commas, um, to have sex again. Um, because I don't know how that's going to go because I, I am actually fearful. I'm fearful of that whole area. And that, look, that's probably something I need to speak to a sex psychologist about or something. But it's it's it has um, yeah it's it's been it's been a lot for my mental health. And I think I'm openly talking about it because I know when I spoke about it on Instagram, my DMs were flooded mm. with people in my situation, and they're like, "Thank you for talking about it because I've put off my." cervical cancer screen so I've done all of this um and I've now created awareness and I'm really happy about that um because I've actually had a few people now say oh my god I've got low-grade um abnormalities on my most recent thanks thanks thank you for sharing about it because I wouldn't have gone off and done it and that that's the thing the awareness that you've created is an amazing thing I mean at your own cost (laughs) because you know (laughs) you're obviously going through all this but um I know myself and my sister both went and um, got all our checks and everything, like our full, like everything done because I was like, you know what, I've also been putting all of this off for a very long time. And the pap smear and stuff I'd had because they generally do before um, you start to like try for a baby again. So I think I'd had that in between Audrey and Lenny, but just other general checks. I was like, oh, God, I've been putting all this off. Like it's just time. And I think sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm only in my 30s. Like we're bulletproof. Right. No. And I think that has been the biggest wake up call for me. Mm. And I said that to my specialist, I'm 33. I'm in my prime. Why is this happening? Like why? And he's like, your body, your immune system just isn't doing what it's supposed to do. And I said, well, what can I do to support that? And that's where, you know, (laughs) and I said, is the endometriosis a key factor? I've had um, Epstein-Barr virus in the past. Is that a contributing factor when we're looking at viruses? You know, I've mm. obviously had lots of viruses through, you know, my um, my journey into adulthood. And he was kind of like, nah, you know, and it depends where you're looking. It depends where the research is. You're going to find for and against all the time. Um, but it's just an interesting, 
interesting picture with HPV because of the all the different grading systems, all the different strains of HPV, and then how they can develop into this grading system of like SIN1, SIN2, SIN3, um, and and what we're looking for in cervical um, cervical cancer testing as well. And mm. that's why we do it. That's why we're here. But it's just so interesting. I'm like, HPV is a sexually transmitted disease, right? You have to yeah. pick it up from sex. It's the only way. But it can lay dormant and silent in the body. And that's what's quite interesting to me because it you know you can have clear pap smears and then bang all of a sudden you've got an abnormal pap smear yet you've been with the same sexual partner and this is and I'm like what are you doing for men why aren't you treating men like where's the men coming into this why aren't they getting pap smears on their dicks (laughs) (laughs) you see I'm fired up about this topic oh it's hilarious (laughs) That's going in the real. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like we're doing all these things and obviously it affects us more, but I'm like, yeah. why aren't we treating men for it? Yeah. Crazy. And I said that to my specialist. I'm like, well, what can I do for the men? Like if it's sexually transmitted, why why is it all on us? Mm. And he was like, he didn't really give me an answer. He was like, what you women have to put up with is quite fascinating. I was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thanks for that helpful tip. I, I already I already know that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. Very yeah. true. And look, it's in uh oh, next week is our birthday. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's our birthday. And so let's hope that we can close the door for 33 for you because this has been just a shit year. So let's just put 33 behind you and next week let's just hope that we go into this 34 years just with a bang, you know, and it's just a different story. Seriously, seriously, I feel like I have just taken up our whole episode with my shitty health history. But anyway, can we? (laughs) Important though, important. It is our birthday next Saturday, the 3rd of December. We are Sagittarius babies. People think we're sisters when we're in um, the Gold Coast for our... Um... We get it all the time, don't we? Don't we? Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. We're sisters. Like, no, we're not. We're sisters. No, we're actually not. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, that was a fun, chaotic trip. So. Oh. Fill us in what happened with you, Shell, because this was typical. Mummy's first weekend away from her children. Oh, my gosh. And what, and what happens? Fill us in. Yeah, so go away. I decided I'd come up on the Thursday night, stay with you the Thursday, the Friday, Saturday. We booked um, a hotel and we were staying there. And then the Sunday I was going to stay with you and come back to the fam bam on the Monday. Um, that was more so the the long period away was more so because flights are just like ridiculously expensive at the moment. It was going to cost me like a thousand bucks to get up there for a weekend. So Mac is like, nah, I've got it. Go. Three kids, fair load. He was going to go camp uh, in with his whole family. Um, so his mom and dad and sister and cousins and all of their partners were going camping camping for the weekend. So Maka only had to do the Thursday and the Sunday night on his own um, and then he'd be with the family and get help the rest of the time. Because three kids is very hard, particularly bedtime. It's easy until bedtime comes and it's really hard to do that on your own. Anyway, Get to you Thursday, we go and have a wine, grab some takeaway, all's good. Um, well, I think all is well. And then Friday morning I speak to Macca and 
Van was walking up our open staircase on the Thursday night at 8.30 to go to bed and just started power spewing. And so he power spewed all over the wall, through the staircase, down to the bottom story. Macca grabbed him, put him into the upstairs bathroom. He just spewed all over the bathroom. Lenny was already in bed. Lenny hopped out of bed and just started vomiting all over the carpet. And Macca's just doing this on his own, the poor thing. So he's finished like a 13-hour work day and then had the three kids, picked him up from daycare, did the whole thing. Anyway, he and was up to Just for context, this was the Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah so Thursday night. The first, you'd literally just gotten off the plane. I'd gotten off the plane. Like it was five hours after I'd left home that this all started. And Macca didn't tell me it had all gone on because he wanted me to enjoy the time. Anyway, on the Friday, so he's like, no, nah, I've got it under control. It all seems to be like the boys seem to have settled. We're all good. And I was like, okay. And we had a morning of um, podcasts that we were going to be recording. Anyway, I sort of kept checking in and then I get a phone call. Or maybe this is when we first, no, I think before Nick had gone to work, I said that. Yes. Astro. Yeah. So we knew yeah. about that. And then we're in, we're in between recordings and I get a phone call from Macca and Lenny's had another febrile seizure. So I don't think I've even spoken about that on the podcast yet, but that is a new thing that we started dealing with. So a month ago, I took the three kids back to my parents' house in the country uh, and we met, we often meet my sister and her little boy there as well because it's like my sister and I live seven hours away and mum and dad's is like the middle um, like the halfway mark. So I'd met my sister and my little um, nephew there. The boys were like running around right before dinner time, having a whale of the time. And Lenny was getting like, you know, running around screaming, having such a good time. And next minute he came and sat next to me on the couch, uh, sorry, on the kitchen table. And I was eating dinner and he had his mouth just opened. And I said to him, Len, do you want food? And he just said, yeah. And so I put my fork near his mouth and I kept talking and I looked back at him and the fork was still just there with food in it, like on it and I said to him are you okay Len he said yeah and I said uh, can you say anything other than yeah and he just said yeah and Lenny is a big talker and has very good speech so Lenny can have full sentences and so I knew something was off so I picked him up took him into the lounge room my dad also must have known something was up because he followed me And I said to dad, go get mum and get my phone. We need to call an ambulance. And so mum came in and Lenny was having this febrile seizure. And the ambulance came. It was really scary. So he was, I just laid him on the couch with a pillow under his head. And his comfort, he was trying to pat my face and he was just like slapping my face. And I just let him like over and over and over. And all he could say was, yeah. And his mouth was drooping and he just was out of it. Anyway, um, it was really scary to see. And so the ambulance came, they checked him over. At the time of seizure, he was having a fever. So um, he had a fever, sorry. So they said, yeah, it's a febrile seizure. It's related to um, uh, fever. And generally speaking, it's when the fever, it's how quickly the fever goes up or down. So that's why they say don't put a, a kid with fever. They generally say don't put them in like a cold bath because if the temperature drops too quickly, it can spark a seizure and same if it goes too hot. So he was running around and, you know, and if and I thought maybe he was borderline fever and the running around sparked it. I expected him after the ambulance left, he came good. He couldn't walk for a little while. His speech came back after about half an hour. The seizure itself lasted about 20 minutes. So it was quite a long time. And then I expected him all night to fever and wake up quite sick the next day. And he never did. Never Mm. fevered. 
I gave him Panadol at the time of seizure and then he never fevered again. I slept with him in his bed. He woke up fine, bit out of it, like and tired, but that was it. So I, I like, and I said this to you, I, we have um, epilepsy in my family history and it was, um, so my mum's brother was diagnosed when he was 16 with epilepsy. And I just like in my heart of hearts was like, is this just a Lenny's health picture now? I just did not think it was a febrile seizure. Like I just mm. really, I know he was fevering, but I mean, a seizure, it's a lot on your body like that, yeah. you know, so yeah. Anyway, um, so then that was that. I Yeah, Len was okay after it. And then this Friday morning we're in between podcasts, Macca rings me because he wasn't with me the first one. And he said, I think Lenny's having another seizure. What do I do? What did you give him? And so I FaceTimed him and had a look at Lenny. And, again, the mouth had drooped. And I said, give him Panadol. And so Macca gave him Panadol and laid him down and had him all safe and what have you. And I rang my mum's um, cousin who is like a filling granny for us and she came over to help Macca and she's a nurse and she said, yeah, it was definitely a febrile seizure. The difference this time is he had a fever before it. So yeah. we know it definitely was. Um, so anyway, they say that they grow out of them, but I, I think this is part of Lenny's health picture for now anyway, whether it is that or whether it does become more, I don't know. But And it was... Very confronting for us. So Macca's got him on FaceTime and Shelly and I are sitting there and Lenny's just vomiting on the screen oh, yeah, in front was, of us. Like, and he'd eaten a whole ton of berries, so it kind of looked like blood and we were like, oh, my God, what you know, what is going on? In yeah. He's docile and pale and he's vomiting on the screen. I'm just starting to, like, tear up because obviously, you know, we're like, what do we do? This is, you mm. know, this is full on and... It was so great that obviously your cousin, you know, your your stepping grandma could, you know, go around as well. But that was really confronting seeing. It was. Like I think yeah. I even turned to you and I said, is that blood? Or yeah. and, Mac is, and then Mac said, no, he's eating berries. Um, and Lenny's a big eater. So when when my kids are sick, they don't not eat. They still keep eating, which makes them keep vomiting. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it was full on. Um, we also, like I've said it before, our village here in Port Melbourne, absolutely epic um our neighbors were here within a second because uh Lenny was vomiting Audrey was screaming and Van is back to himself and running around wanting to play and Mac yeah. is just on his own trying to deal with this yeah. so our neighbor came from next door and she came and grabbed Audrey until my cousin got here and then my cousin took Audrey for the day and Van ended up going away camping still so Van was back to himself and just had a short it was like eight hour sort of gastric I mean, it was, I don't know if it was, well, no one else caught it from being away, but he vomited for about, you know, on off for eight hours. And then he was back to himself and totally fine, had a wild time away. So because of that, I, you know, I, I was saying to you, like, do I go home? Do I still, like, mm. what do I do right now? You know, anyway, Macca was like, the only reason I told you was because I just didn't know if it was Panadol you gave him or, and I was like, no, I'm glad you told me, like, I needed to know this, but he, Macca would just really wanted me to enjoy my time away. Yeah. Anyway, it was really stressful. I was crying in between podcasts, trying to keep it together. <laughs> And then um, we, we were like, I was making Shelly like all these adaptogens and yeah. I'm, I'm giving her all the supplements. I was like, come into the apothecary. I got you, mama. <laughs> I know, right? And so, yeah. And so I stayed and I stayed because I knew Audrey was gone. Van was out of the picture for the whole weekend. I knew Macca and Lenny could just have a really quiet day. 
So that was all fine. Um, we went and checked in our hotel. I ended up getting shit faced. We both did <laughs> that night. Like we had to, we had to shake the shit off. You know, we had to shake oh, it all off. It was a big day. It you. was a big day, and I mean, yeah. we had some heavy episodes of recording as well on top of like yeah. everything that was going on, and I just felt helpless. Yeah. And as a result, I just got so fucking drunk. Anyway. Yeah. Good. I know. I know. We still haven't <laughs> shared the video from the next day, though. Like, I was, I couldn't even stomach bread the next day. Like, I was. I, so sick. I was trying to give Shell like the most epic, you know, Gold Coast experience. <laughs> I was like, okay, do you want me to cancel dinner for Saturday night? Because we can, you know, we can cancel it. Um, and you know, then we were still dealing with like all the sickness with the kids too. And I'll let you, you know, finish mm. your story. But anyway, we get to the tropics. It's this beautiful restaurant in, in Queensland and it's got the stunning view we're and I'm like ordering, up. we're all dressed up, you know, I'm, you know, we're feeling fine. And well, I was feeling fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was. And I've ordered all these beautiful tapas and shells just like slowly trying to eat it. And I was like, this isn't going going down well is it darling you're like nah and she couldn't eat any of it so I literally sat there and ate for one <laughs> I know I ate like an olive and the gluten-free bread was hard that day I made you take me to get hot chips because I yep. was like from the, from the local chicken so shop. I kept down some hot chips at about three p.m we went out for lunch I sat there I had this beautiful salmon like poke bowl in front of me I ate what two bites of it yeah couldn't even eat yep. that nah. <laughs> And I'm here like yeah. living my best life. I've been to Pacific Fair and done some shopping. I'm eating all my food. I'm just like, mummy, it was mummy's first oh, night out in a long time, you know? I was <laughs> just like hung as like it was. Anyway, I was so annoyed at myself because I'd gotten so drunk and felt so shit. But anyway, that's another story. So but then let's the next... go back to the boys on the Saturday because yeah, it, doesn't, so... it doesn't end here. This is the thing. It didn't end. No, this is the thing. So then on the Saturday, Macca in the morning, I was FaceTiming them just flat out. And in the morning, Macca's like, yeah, look, just tired. He had Audrey and Lenny and he's like, just feeling really tired. We're just going to have a slow day. I'm like, okay. And then I FaceTime them a while later and Lenny's still in his PJs, which like we're normally up and out of our house at eight o'clock. And um, Len's still in his PJs and Mac is like, yeah, just still feeling a bit off. And they'd all gone down for sleep and then he's still feeling off. And then it wasn't until we're out for dinner and he messaged me something and I messaged him back just like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, um, I've got gastro now. So then on the Saturday, so the boys had it Thursday night, Lenny's still th- uh, Friday and then Macca gets it Saturday. And Lenny had literally just fended for himself all day like Macca was so sick he couldn't even like feed him which I didn't know at the time because again parenting children when you're sick the pits like I probably oh. actually I mean I was so hungover I probably couldn't have gone <laughs> but uh, you know the thought was there but um you know I was just like oh this is ridiculous like you can't parent and if you wake up feeling this sick tomorrow you're going to have three kids so Van's coming back and I was like you just can't do that so Lenny had literally just like I'd bought them heaps of snacks to take on their road trip and he just ate snacks for the day and Macca had eaten an apple for the entire day like he just Mm. felt so off Mm. so I booked my flights originally I was going to be getting I think leaving at about two getting home around six and then when I realized how sick Macca actually was I booked like the first flight I could out which was about Mm. 10 a.m so and then that night we checked out went and stayed at your house, which was just so good for our soul. Um, yeah. I just needed to be with 
you and Nick and Sunny. Sunny, yeah. Um, and yeah, and the next morning, I think once like we were back at your house, I was able to relax. Mm. Um, once I'd made the decision to go home, I was able to relax. And the next morning was a really beautiful morning. So we all woke up, we went and had um well, you made me coffee and sunny girl, like we just read stories and played, and she's just the cutest thing in the world. And then we went and had a sahi bowls down the beach and I went home yeah. to the crew. So um yeah, but oh, but then so Audrey I thought had missed it. She ended up getting it Wednesday. Um, she power skewed on me at like 3 a.m., didn't think much of it, and then all the next day. So I had to cancel all my clients. And then the Friday night, it got me. Yeah. <laughs> so it lasted. Uh, so that was our weekend. Then. So it lasted an entire week by the time it gotten through the five of us. Um, and yeah, that was sort of yeah me coming home. Yeah, white, absolutely. You know, like it just it was it was in, it, intense. Like watching you, all your babies so sick, and your husband, and you know, and you're away. Oh. It's like. Murphy's law, right? Murphy's right? law is always going to happen. And then oh. you get sick and, you know, just the whole, it's just like a vicious cycle. And I've just heard, though, like everyone in Melbourne is going through these really intense gastro bugs at the moment. It wiped out my brother and his baby and his um, fiance as well for quite a few days and their whole family. And, you know, and it just kind of went through. I don't know if it's something going on down there, but it's been yeah. And so this is the thing. We did an episode boosting your child's immune system. It was about a month ago, uh, two, four, six episodes ago. Go back and listen to that because this is the thing, right? All of my kids, none of it lasted more than eight hours. Even Audrey, Lenny and Van, they were all over it within like, I think Lenny's, no, Lenny's was maybe 10 hours, Van eight hours and Audrey was about eight hours as well. Mm. Um, None of them lasted more than that. And then honestly, they were back to themselves like yeah. post that yeah uh, but yeah as you said like some people it's been wiping out for days so go back and listen to the immune boosting episode we did because I honestly think like everything we do to boost like uh, everything I do to boost their immune systems it was very short-lived for us even though it we all still got it and it took a while to spread it didn't actually yes. last that long in the thick of it that makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's and, five of us, so yeah. it's gonna it's going to last a week in our household, you know. Uh, yeah. And how's Lenny been? Have, have you, like, how's his demeanour been? What are you thinking with all of this, convul- like, you know, febrile convulsion seizures? Do you still believe in your gut, in your heart of hearts, that it could be an ep- ep- epilepsy, Ugh, get your words out, Catherine, thing? Or yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I, I just, um, I just feel it in my gut that it's not, it's not just the febrile seizures. Like I just, yeah. I feel in my gut that this is going to be a health, like a part of Lenny's health picture. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to distinguish the difference and other mothers listening to this will also understand this. Is it fear-based or is yeah. it, is it, is it a true gut feeling? It's, that's a really hard one to try to distinguish the difference between like, cause when, yeah, you see it, I mean, yeah, it's full on. Um, so I don't know. We've obviously had to flag with his daycare, let them know um, they're all over it. Uh, if he has another one, I'm definitely, they say three febrile con- um, seizures and then they will run further investigations. So yeah. um, if and I say when he has another one, I will definitely go and get him investigated further. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I don't know, you know, I know febrile seizures can be really common in kids, but I think just having that epilepsy picture and, and funnily enough with my uncle, it, it's, we don't actually know where that stemmed from. So mm. it's only my uncle that we know of that has epilepsy. Who know, who knows where that's come from generational? Like, you know, yes. but he was yeah diagnosed when he was 16. And this is a thing because uh, at kids this age, until I think age six, it is sort of written off as febrile seizures. Yes. So yeah. It is quite hard to get a diagnosis any earlier, I believe. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to try, like, just yeah. to rule out everything because, absolutely, um, yeah, it's it's not nice. And he's totally fine. He recovers really well. He just gets really sleepy um, at the time of and then sleeps really well and, you know, the next day a bit docile. But other than that, absolutely fine. Like nothing yeah. has ever happened. Yeah, which, which like, is reassuring too, isn't it? It is, but... Um, yeah funny on not funny but you know on the weekend we went in on Sunday into the city and we were going to do like the Maya windows and everything anyway like the Christmas stuff and um we were in the lift at Zara and we were heading up to the first floor the kitty section and I looked at Lenny and Lenny has been waking up at 5 30 a.m every morning which is just fabulous fun Um, for you I know, right? I've been up since 3 a.m. this morning. So, oh, darling, you're looking very fresh for that mm, thank you. sleep picture. I know, right? I had five <laughs> hours last night. Don't mind if I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Lenny's been waking up at 5 30 a.m., gets to like 8 o'clock a.m., and he's tired. My boys go down at 11 o'clock on the dot every day at home. Anyway, it was about 10.30 and we're, we're going up this lift in Zara, and I said something to him, and he just went, Yeah. And he was uh, like, like very docile. And mm. I looked at Maka, and Maka just went, "Linny, are you okay?" And now that Maka's obviously experienced that as well, and he just went, "Yeah." And it looked like his mouth was starting to droop. Oh God! And we get out of the lift. We're stuck in this damn lift. We get out of the lift, and I said to Maka, "Get him out of the pram and put him on the ground, and let's see if he can walk." And yeah, because that, that's a really clear indication for us. It's like the mouth and the walking is what I mean. We've only had two, but what we've yeah. discovered. So Maka put him on the ground, and sure enough, he could walk, and he started talking. Okay, and he was fine. But like Maka and I, one hundred percent, still have like a bit of tra- post traumatic stress after that. Absolutely, um, yeah. And so there's been a couple occasions where I'm like, oh, that hasn't settled in me. Yeah, and when I was with you, I was saying, mm-hmm. I was like, this is just bringing all of that back again. Yeah. And seeing that happen to Macca as well, when we were going up that um, lift on Sunday, he's the same. Like, and we got out of there and we're like, oh my God, like this, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's really like, you know, created and, a fear in us. And you're on high alert, right? As soon mm-hmm. as you see letting change or, you know, his attitude changes, his vocabulary changes, you're going to go straight back to, oh my gosh, is this another seizure that's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So understandable. Absolutely. And it turned out he was just tired and totally fine. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. He's going to have to keep an eye on old Len. (laughs) I know. I know. So um, yeah. So anyway, so uh, that was our trip. That was the first time. So I haven't been away from, well, I mean, I've had kids in COVID, right? And in mm. Melbourne, we were in lockdown for a lot of it. So um, Audrey is the first baby I've had outside of COVID. So uh, Van, I used to leave a lot when he was a little, little baby. So he, I'd leave him in the country for a couple of days or whatever. Lenny, I'd left a couple of times. Audrey, I'd never left. Um, and I'd never left them for the four nights. So um 
yeah, that was the first time I had that many nights on by myself. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> okay. We will plan another um, one. Maybe we'll just yeah. bring the babies this time. It might be easier. <laughs> I can bring Audrey. I can bring Audrey. I won't be bringing anyone else. Yeah, I mean, what am I talking about? Sunny and the boys are the same age and they're turbo and crazy. No way. No. And that was the first time you met Sunny. You, you had, hadn't met Sunny before. So that was no. a really cute little friendship starting there. And Sunny just latched onto you straight away, like, you know, your best friends, which was really I cute. I know. She wanted to hold my hand everywhere yeah. we went. And yeah, it was. And adorable. we're going to introduce all the kids to each other. Um, I'm Christmas. spending some time down in Melbourne, yeah, over Christmas. So that will be really exciting too. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Um, well, there's a big really... episode. <laughs> I know, and I was about to say, I don't know if you want Sunny really around my boys. So uh, just a really quick story because, um, you know, there's always funny stories happening in my household. Van jumps out of the shower, soaking wet the other day, front doors open, front gates open. I don't know why, Macca, I think, was out there at the car or something. And he just jumps out of the shower, runs out to the front, throws two doors down and just takes a shit on the front <laughs> on the footpath out the front of our neighbour's house. <laughs> and literally Macca was just like, I mean, I'm sort of, I, it's funny because I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Macca's like disgusted from that. <laughs> Are you shitting? Sorry, are you shitting on your, your neighbour's footpath as well when you say apple doesn't fall far from the Look, tree? I'm not, I'm not. But anybody who knows me will know I'm not perfect. I'm not shitting on anyone's front uh, path but I mean you know I'm <laughs> you did oh yourself God. a great here <laughs> okay old wild Shelly early 20s I would never have done that but I think like uh, people that knew me back in my early 20s when they meet Van they're like oh your little spirit animal we wouldn't expect your kids to be any different right yeah okay yeah I had like a real wild side to me loved to party loved like you know so um would get up to a bit of mischief anyway so, yeah, that's what I mean by Apple doesn't pour front of the tree. <laughs> Mac is outside. I think he's at the car or something. He turns around and Van's just taking a dump on the nature strip. Uh, not even on the nature strip, just on the footpath. So, Mac grabs a doggy poo bag and has to go and pick it up. And he literally walked in with the most disgusted look on his face. And I was just, well, I was laughing. But when Van came in, I was like, oh, Van, we don't poo on the on the footpath, do we? And he's scrunching up his face going, no, mummy, that's yucky. Only dogs do that. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, well, why did you just do it? I literally had to text my neighbour and I was like, mate, hope you weren't, you or your husband weren't cooking dinner. Then she's taking a shit on your footpath. Mac has cleaned it up. <laughs> you know what? This is not the first time I've heard this story and it still cracks me up to the point where I'm oh. like crying. It's so funny. I know, right? And it's this sort of stuff all the time. Like even the other day, like I've talked about the golden shower van weaning on Lenny before, like yeah. putting him down. Lenny did that to Audrey the other day. He didn't wee what? on her. He didn't wee on her, but he like went and stood over her and pretended he was doing a poo on her. <gasps> and I was like, oh, Lenny, I thought you were my one that like. <laughs> Isn't going to, well, next he'll be taking a shit on the next door neighbor's front um, porch. Maybe not even the footpath, maybe just on the porch. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, so. Well, they've obviously picked it up from somewhere. I mean, where have they learned this behaviour from? Clearly from you and Mac. No, I'm <laughs> Just watching the dog, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, oh, so there's, there's a bit of a funny story to uh, wrap up this episode. It has been a big one. Um, mm, we'll drop massive. this on our non, non-episode non day in case no one cares about 
our lives. But if you do, <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> I hope there's been a few lols for you all through this one too, because you know it's been it's been insightful. That's for sure. <laughs> As the dick pat smear was a real good one. <laughs> I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I should have been anatomically correct and said penis instead of dick. Love it. Well, that's another thing, actually. Mac has taught the boys how to clean their penis. Oh, how do you clean a penis? Tell me. Well, I'm, I, I don't have one, so I'm not sure, but, like, my boys aren't circumcised. Yeah. And Lenny uh, Van thinks it's a party trick. Like, What do you mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just going to stop there. Oh, God. It's yeah, and Lenny's like, oh, penis in, penis out, penis in, penis out. I'm like, oh, oh because of the foreskin and it's moving. You got to yeah, clean it from the back. Yeah, you got to like, yeah, yes. you got to, you know, it's like you got to push it out. So Van, start he thought his penis was broken. Okay, fair, and he was like, fair though. Yeah. He's like, mummy, my penis is broken. I'm like, your yeah. penis isn't broken. Actually, yeah, I was like, penis isn't broken. We had to have this full like conversation around it. Anyway, Lenny just thinks. Yeah, now Van thinks it's a party trick. Lenny always thought it was a party trick. He's like, "Mummy, my penis is in. My penis is out." And just and I'm like, now I'm having to teach him that we do that only in private and when yes. we're showering to clean. So yes. that's also been fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I get it would be quite confronting for a little toddler when you know they're looking at their penis and they're like, "Oh, this will it, it changes. It looks different." I mean, hmm. how do you navigate those conversations? I I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, I don't maybe, know. We'll, maybe we'll have to have an episode all around that because Sunny has been quite interesting lately with touching her vulva, mm-hmm. um, uh, being anatomically correct here. Um, and the other day, <laughs> I don't know what goes on at daycare and changing their nappies, but anyway, it's just like she always comes home with like a bit of a nappy rash. Anyway, I was like, Mummy's just going to put some coconut oil on there because that's quite soothing for her. It's always worked. It's kind of always been my mm-hmm. go-to, like not all over it, just a little bit. She was like, Sunny wants to as well. So I'm like, okay. So I put a little bit of coconut oil on her <laughs> finger. And then I was then I was kind of watching her. I was like, oh, this is getting, oh, feeling a little bit off. Like, I'm like, she, she's like smiling and laughing and looks like she was enjoying this. I was like, okay, nappy on. And I was like, how do I have this? I'm not ready for me. I don't know what to do. This is terrifying. I know, right? And that can happen at a really young age, though, with um, boys or girls. And a girlfriend who I refer to a lot in these episodes because she studied all this stuff, but she said to me because her kid um, discovered that rubbing, like, his bunny down there feels quite good. Yes, yes. And and she's like, it's really confronting when it first happens, but kids are just discovering, like, it feels good. They, they know no different. Like, to them yes. it's just a you know, a feel good thing yeah, and they do it as their comfort, as like their soothing, you know. Yeah, um, of course. But it can be quite confronting when that first happens for sure. And and the language, you, you know, you want to you, you it to be, a po- you want to create positive language around all of that as well. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't want to use any of that language. And no. so that's actually, this is, this is going to be an episode. We're going to get that friend of yours in because mm. I know so many of us in this position would be like, okay, so how do we, what language do we use? How do we educate? Like, how do we, yeah, get around that? Because I, 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 I'm winging it. I, Sunny's obviously my first and only child. So I'm, I don't know what to do, but I don't obviously want to make it into a big deal when it's not and make her have any, you know, no. shame around doing that because obviously we, that's the last thing we want to create. Yeah, yeah exactly mm. right. Mm. Um, yeah. 
anyway, yeah, we'll get my friend on and we'll chat yeah. about this topic because, Definitely. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I had a cousin that used to do it, like, from a very young age as well. And, yes. I, and like, we still laugh as adults about her because, I mean, it was really fun. <laughs> but, you know, you remember it even as a kid. Like, we didn't know what it was. Well, uh, like, I remember, and, again, me and my girlfriend laugh about this, we love the jets on the spa. We'd throw our legs over the jets on the spa right. and literally be like, this feels awesome as little kids. And we didn't know any different. We laugh about that so much. I'm like, oh, my poor clitoris. <laughs> Getting the spa jets, that force of water. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, so this has gone from PG to R-rated quite quickly. So I think we should wrap this episode up before it goes any further. Yeah, I need to stop talking, obviously. Same, same. I've just talked about me masturbating on a, in a spa, so awesome. Okay, let's go. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That way we can continue to inspire and reach more mamas around the globe. If you would like to get in contact, request a guest or topic, then head to the No BS Approach to Motherhood Instagram page and send us a direct message. Otherwise, until next episode, stay sane, mama.